Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWendelik.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Drew Freeman and Nishant Shrivasta. Thanks, Ray. This is the RayWendelik.com podcast. Welcome to episode nine for season 11. This episode was recorded on Friday, the 12th of March, 2021, for release on the 31st of March. This episode is sponsored by me and my shadow walking down the avenue. I'm Drew Freeman with my evaluative and thus procrastinative co-host Nishant Srivastava. Thanks, Drew. Joining us in the episode today is Elise Davis, who is the director of engineering at Meetup. She's also a Google developer expert for Kotlin and Android, and has also contributed to the book Living by the Code. Anise, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It is great to have you on. We actually had a call out to you two episodes ago. So I was like, okay, this is great. We're going to have Anise on the show in just two more episodes. So nice. first question is, of course, how are you doing? Are you sheltering in place? Everything okay and healthy with you and yours? Yes, we're doing really well. Um, getting super familiar with the four walls of my house. <laughs> <laughs> I love the tree. Uh, for those who are going to watch this on the, uh, on the video version, I love your tree in the background. Thank you. I'm really proud of the fact that I stuck each leaf up there individually in between meetings. So, those, so those enjoy are in, the tree. Oh, wow. So, so the so the the artwork that Anise has behind her is uh, a tree that's just beginning to to get leaves on it after, I guess, a, a spring tree. But I, I had thought that the leaves were painted on uh, separately, but they're actually pasted on. They're papers. Yeah, they're like little stickies, so you can get an applique. I just ordered it off Amazon and just literally stuck all of those sections on there. That's wonderful. Thank you. All in time for the spring. I know. I love it. Where are you based out of? I'm located in Maryland. Oh, you're not that far. I'm based in Pittsburgh. Ah, hello, neighbor. <laughs> so I, I take it you've also been dealing with temperatures that are like Powerball machine numbers being pulled out randomly. Yes, but I'm just excited about it. Uh, I think like when I lived in Amsterdam briefly and people used to get really excited when the sun was out, I'd be like, okay, big deal, the sun is out. <laughs> now I'm that person, I'm like, the sun is out. <laughs> this is great. I'm going to go for a walk after work. Like I've, I've turned into that person. So you've worked for a while in, you worked for a while in Amsterdam? I was there for a year and a half. Oh, so jealous. It was it was cool. I lived in Netherlands when I was in high school uh, for three months as an exchange student, and I spent about oh, wow. a, a day or two in in Amsterdam. I spent some time in Horkum uh, in Hornham, uh, but I mostly lived Good. on the east end of uh, of uh, Netherlands in uh, an area near Anschede. Wow, that's perfect pronunciation too. Well, that kind of sticks with you when you've been there for three months. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's awesome. That and the fact that we may have some some uh, listeners from Netherlands, and I would prefer not to insult them with my uh, with my butchering, as I often did to Nishant's last name when we started out the season. So, but you've gone better. I, I have. I've, I've tried. So let me ask you: When you are not sheltering in place, what is something that you like to do that is not necessarily related to tech? I it's simple, but I really enjoy going for walks. Like I could just walk for like hours. I just love walking. Um, that's something I can still do now. So I try <laughs> to just like get out and go for a walk. 
and um, it's it just keeps me sane, <laughs> along with my thoughts. Wonderful. I I uh, I'm waiting for the weather to be normal enough to be able to get outside. I uh, I have a bicycle. It's waiting for me. It was my birthday present to me last year. Just as things started, and I was like, no, I can't really use the bicycle that much, so. Yeah, it's, I also bought a bicycle, you know, during this pandemic. I'm looking forward to riding it uh, as well, but in the meantime, I've just been walking. I just go out and I walk. So, for people who, who don't necessarily know Anise, can you tell us a little about what you do for the day job? Yeah, Sure. Um, currently, I work as Director of Engineering at Meetup. What does that mean? That means I do everything for my day job. Um, constantly putting out fires, trying to help teams focus on deliverables. Um, I still try to put my hands in some Android code. I can't resist it. Um, so I'll help out, but without affecting uh, the dates or deadlines. So as much as possible, I stay to the side of that. Um, I think my skill set is pretty varied, so I might be helping debug something on TypeScript or reviewing a schema for an upcoming GraphQL mutation. Each day, honestly, is very different for me. So as director of engineering, you're not just working with Android. You're also working with other mobile platforms. You're also working with backend, et cetera. Yes. Yep. Yep. Was that a big climb to be uh, to grasp onto some of those other technologies? I'll say not necessarily a big climb, but it's it's a preference thing. I think um, sometimes when you really like uh, jelly and then someone only has jam, you're like, oh, I'll just got to, you know, put jam. Then that's how I feel about like TypeScript. I'm not really a big fan of it, but hey, I have to learn it enough to be able to help the team or to write something or to mm-hmm. debug and that's sort of my perspective on other things. I'm not against Swift, but it's not it's not Kotlin. I love Kotlin. <laughs> but I'd have to know it enough to be able to say like, okay, hey, look here, folks on line 89, this is the thing that I see happening XYZ. Mm-hmm. Now, did you get hired into the company as director of engineering or did you work your way up from several positions? When I joined Meetup, I actually started as a senior engineering manager. And then over time, I was promoted into director of engineering. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'll say is kind of growing outside of your one technology area really makes a big difference in thinking strategically across teams and departments. That's kind of the thing that I feel helped propel me into the current position that I have right now. So you still get to have a little bit of coding in there, even though it's pretty much everything else now. Yeah, yeah. But was this like a like a personal um, decision that you wanted to move into, like say, um, like a as into a director of engineering or something, or did it click through something where you decided that okay, at this moment in in time, I'm gonna make a decision that I'm gonna move towards a certain thing um, or a job position. Yeah, so it definitely wasn't planned (laughs) Um, from that perspective. I always just want to do my best. And at a certain point, I was behaving as a director of engineering, 
So then it only logically makes sense that you should just promote me to director of engineering. But that wasn't my initial goal. I'm the kind of person that sees a hole and I'm like, oh, this is a hole. It should be filled. Or, hey, folks, we need some support here. I'm like, hey, pick me. I'll, I'll help do it. And I think that that's mostly how my whole career has gone, except for, I'll say, the beginning phases. I think when you're like a junior engineer, you're super eager to get promoted. I definitely was like, I want to be senior. I want to be senior. And then once I became a senior engineer, I almost like didn't care <laughs> as much. It would just kind of happen when it happened. So basically, if I'm reading this correctly, uh, a friend of mine used to say the best way to be a duck is to quack like a duck, because once you start acting like a duck, you are a duck. And you found your yes. way to to being a duck by way of helium hand. <laughs> I mean, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great the, that's, way to that's put your it. your next paper, getting <laughs> quacking like a duck by, by, by way of helium hand. Yeah, but if, you know, if I really think about my day, like, I hope no one from work listens to this podcast. Um, <laughs> I am good at being a director of engineering, but it's not actually like my favorite thing to be. I personally love programming. When I get some time in my schedule to code, I'm like listening to my music. I'm singing. I'm kind of like, in the, you know, in a groove. And there's not that so much when you have 12 meetings in one day. Yes. Uh, so if, if I really were to be honest, what brings me joy is like being closer to the code and being able to work on things and seeing that immediate um, impact uh, of your efforts. I was recently asked on an interview, what is it? What is your day like as uh, as an architect? And I simply said meetings. I just stopped there. I said meetings. So many meetings. So many meetings. And I'm going to assume that uh, basically you are, for the most part, remote now, or you have been completely remote? Yeah, I was already remote um, before everything, yeah. So this being on Zoom is nothing unfamiliar to you? No, but I feel I feel like there's even more meetings now than before. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they were secretly meeting in person and not including me. <laughs> and now that they now that we can only meet on Zoom, it's like, oh, meetings, 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 meetings. I, I have this software called um, Clockwise to like help rearrange my meetings for me and like try to chunk things together. And it gives you a weekly report. So I love looking at it and it's like, you had zero hours of focus time this week. You had 24 hours of meetings this week. It's like so depressing. So the, the software is called Clockwise? Clockwise, yeah. It's useful in that it can rearrange your meetings. So let's say I have three one-on-ones with someone in a day, then it will try to optimize to give me focus time. So it might like chunk two of the one-on-ones together and move one one-on-one -on -one down and now I have a one hour block of focus time. Mm -hmm. so that's one of my you know, current hacks that I really love using clockwise so that it can rearrange my meetings. Oh, I wish I were at that stage right now. All of my meetings are basically called by other people. So you got to convince those people to get on clockwise, too. <laughs> also, so the software works when both uh, both the yep. people like parties have uh, the clockwise. App? Exactly. Okay. So the more people you can get in your company on clockwise, the better all of your schedules will be because it tries to optimize for focus time for everyone. Mm. 
I think that's the steep climb, <laughs> getting everyone on to clockwise. Yeah, it's a very good uh, uh, as a suggestion. I think I might try it out just for myself. Yeah, try it out. Try it out for sure, and then like tweet me. Yeah, as a developer, you want that focus time, right? And, yes. And when you say that, I'm always like, is that possible? I'm gonna try this out. So that's uh, that's good to know. But do you have other recommendations, something like this that you use as uh, to manage your life? right now as a, as a director of yeah i think this is probably going to be surprising to some people um but i have a real planner so <gasps> for the people watching at home i have a giant planner every year and this is what i use to manage my life basically something about writing it down has become super appealing to me the older that i get and so i like to write it down every week i have one goal for the week Then I have some things that I want to try to get done and I'm like constantly accountable to that. Looking back on it, um, I also really love at the end of the month, I can do a summary of like how I've been just in general. Like, am I in balance financially, socially with my family, secularly and reflect on what I accomplished, what I didn't accomplish and maybe why? Um, so I really love this like planner, writing things down, having goals for every single week. That really helps me to stay productive and focused. So I would say this season, the one thing we've learned is that paper OS is is doing just fine uh, yes. between planners and bullet journaling and sketch noting. Um, we have just seen a lot of people that find getting it written down, mm -hmm. which is familiar because my my advisor in college always had this. Uh, has this saying if it's not written down it doesn't exist yep <laughs> that's how i feel <laughs> it just like or, or i forget if i'm in 12 meetings a day come on there's no way i'm going to remember every single thing mm -hmm. i have to write stuff down and i have to like make myself accountable uh, because people are counting on me uh, to follow up with something for them so i feel like it's just very important to me to plan it out that way and to keep reflecting back like okay i have two days left in the week. What was my goal this week? Mm -hmm. Get on it, girl. You know, that kind of thing. So let's let's continue on with, with working remotely. How, I mean, you've said you've gotten very familiar with the four walls in your house. Yeah. I'm going to assume that the office is not that far from the bedroom or the kitchen. <laughs> um, actually, I'm pretty fortunate in that when I was house hunting, so so when I came back from Amsterdam, I was doing a lot of house hunting. And having an office was super important to me um, because I knew that I was going to be working remotely. And it's just something that I see myself doing for a long time. So I did pick a place where I could have my own office space. Mm -hmm. So it's actually like quite nice. I have my little exercise equipment over here. I have some space, a chair for when I'm sick of sitting in the real chair. And it kind of opens out and looks at a bunch of trees because I love trees. Um, so it's not so confined for me. And I know a lot of people don't have that kind of remote working experience. Um, I also got some, some legs on it. So when I've had enough of sitting, you can go up and I can stand. Oh, nice. Um, so it's kind of like, I'll probably say this is probably a pretty fancy, uh, remote work setup that I have going here. Uh, but it's really important to me because when I'm done, I want to just walk out this room and be done. And I don't want to have to feel like 
work is all around my whole house and I can't escape it. I get about halfway there in that my guest room is my office. So we haven't had guests in the past year. That's made things easy. Yep. So I've got the bookshelf. I've got the desk. I've got the window with a nice view. But at the same time, I mean, I could refer to it as my thinking bed, but when I sit down on it, I also go unconscious. So that doesn't really help much. (laughs) I can imagine. It looks really comfy. Oh, it is. And, And the socially distanced tiger. Yep. Yep. That's that's important. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's, that's critical, actually. That's critical to the success of this whole setup. <laughs> so how do you... So I, I appreciate the fact that you said when you're done, you're out of that room. Yep. So is it basically you prep yourself, you go into the office, and, and that's how you spend your day? Yeah, so I come in, first things first, a giant thing of water giant mm-hmm. a coffee <laughs> and i just kind of come in here like all right work mode and we just get going and then i have like one or two breaks in the middle of the day on my calendar so to say get up and move and i see that and i'm like up and i just get up i leave my office i might walk around harass my family um eat a snack whatever it is and then okay boom back back to meetings probably Um, So I do that. And then when I'm done, I'm done. Like I don't take my laptop out of here so that if there's anything that happens, you have to like text me or message me on Slack or something Mm -hmm. on my phone. Um, But I try not to come back in. It's also been a theme this this season that, (laughs) that you turn off, switch off clock out and it's interesting too because from the united states point of view um you know you get to that point most developers are quote exempt meaning you don't actually punch a clock but i find that the the developers who most successfully stay sane are the ones who actually clock out so that yeah and you want to be positive like every day i come to work i don't want to show up to 12 Zoom meetings, like, hey, everybody, you know? <laughs> every meeting, I'm just like, hey, folks, you know, what are, what are we talking about today? What's this meeting for? <laughs> Fill me in. What are we going to do? Who's got next? Who's taking notes? Like, I want to be high energy. And I feel like if I was just here suffering all day long, I couldn't bring that sort of positivity and energy mm-hmm. to each day that I show up to work and it's important to me to, to be that person because that's the person that I am. Are your meetings in general camera on or are they just audio? Camera on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my meetings are predominantly camera off except for me. I, I like to be camera on. I like to be the one who comes in early and goes, okay, good morning, folks. Good morning, you and you. I keep saying, you know, I'm not the only one who can turn their camera on. You're more than welcome to do so. And <laughs> Yeah, I've heard some other companies have a culture of not turning the camera on, but that's definitely not Meetup. Meetup is camera on. And then they're like, hi, Sam. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Tina. Well, by nature, I mean, the whole concept of Meetup, you know, it's a social company. We love meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Do you use the Meetup meetup software to plan the Meetup meetups? (laughs) 
<laughs> it would be so that would be so meta if we did. <laughs> so you're talking about being positive in meetings, and yeah. that really is a an infectious way of getting that to the rest of the team. Do you have any other things that you you feel lend to a good working community? Yeah, there are a lot of things. Um, I think just checking in with people informally. I, I try to check in with people on Slack or if someone was in a meeting and they seem kind of down afterwards, I'll also message them just to see if they wanted to talk or um, like, hey, you seemed a little down. Is everything OK? I just wanted you to know that I am here for you. Like those sort of things to just acknowledge that the way my situation is right now, it gets tough for me some days. And I feel like I said, I got a sweet setup here, right? So imagine if you got to work on your ironing board with your kids hanging off your back, Mm -hmm. screaming on all your Zooms. Like it's probably a really stressful time for you this past year. So I want to let people know that, show that empathy and, and just kind of acknowledging Maybe your situation is so much better than what they're dealing with, and it's still tough for you some days. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, communication. I, I also have been, I also follow you on Twitter and on blog posts and everything. So I know that you're quite vocal about uh, communication within teams, as well as like translating into the, the dev environment where it's about code reviews, which is yeah. also a communication tool. Um, so, but now the situation has actually changed a little bit. People don't have that liberty of communicating as it was before. So what what would you like maybe talk a little bit about uh, how situations have changed? Uh, Like, for example, when you started managing the teams um, and is there anything that you have actually used or employed at Meetup, say, or even in your past jobs, like, say, where you were able to figure out how to solve this um, communication problem, I guess? Yeah, you know, that's that's a really great question. I'll say one thing I noticed was during this um, pandemic and you were hiring people remotely who never actually met each other in person. I feel like it was a little bit of a lack of like trust and camaraderie from some of the new people. And so they might perceive a written tone, like they put a tone into something that was written that probably the writer did not intend. And I noticed that happening a few times or they would be confused. This note, I'm not sure. Does that mean I should change it or I shouldn't change it? Like, what are what are they asking me to do here? And we started seeing that come up for some of our pull request comments. So one thing I suggested to the team is like, we're going to start adding emoji comments. And so like if like, you know me at all, I really love emoji. So this like me loving emoji and then plus trying to help the team. So we added emoji comments. If it's a hammer, you put a hammer and then you say, this file should be moved here. Now the person knows this is not like a recommendation. This is something I need to do to approve the PR. If you put the like little nail polish emoji, that means that you're being nitpicky and this is just like a little enhancement. They can or cannot do it. And it's kind of up to them. Or like the question mark, the speech bubble, So we started using all this emoji to kind of convey the tone, like the emoji kind of added the tone behind what the person was saying. And it made such a huge difference. Like we had sparkles for when something somebody did something really great in the code. 
So you just put like a little sparkle and you're like, thank you for writing unit tests. And it just like changed the whole kind of like tone of that process and made it a lot better. So things like that where you have to acknowledge that putting something in writing is so very difficult because the tone is not there. And one person could put a completely different tone on something that was totally innocent. And so there, the power of adding in an emoji is like that conveys that conveys the tone. And it's really it's really uh, interesting how we as humans need that that extra uh, context that we don't get when we're talking to someone one on one face to face. So you've got communication through Slack for the enthusiasm and the empathy. You've got communication through your PRs and in general, the written communication as well. Um, it pretty much is a, a, a triple threat of, of getting ways to communicate with your team. Yeah. These are, these are very good points because uh, I personally uh, recently uh, uh, got onboarded in a company recently and then Obviously, there's like these suggestions, they, they make so much sense. I'm pretty sure our listeners would actually start using this. Hopefully, they see some effect out of this. Uh, but it's a very nice uh, one because I've never actually thought about the tone aspect of the comment. But it's more like you do code reviews, you do code comments. But once you put emojis and you convey your emotions, yep. I think it makes so much sense. It's a, it's a very good uh, recommendation. I hope everyone tries this out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always try to tell people, picture me with a smile on my face. Um, so I used to have, I used to have a, at my old company, one of my reports was like, whenever you, you type something to me and I feel like, oh no, Anise is mad. I always picture you saying it with a smile on your face and it makes it better. And I'm like, chances are I was probably smiling. Like, so once you kind of like get people to understand that and kind of convey that smile, it, it helps the team in general. Like I really love my team right now. They're so great. We get along really well. And that's important to me. That's something that helps me to wake up every day and, you know, sit in this chair for hours, right? Switching gears a bit, you uh, you have a lot to say about the accursed MVP or minimal viable product. And your yeah. general view is it's never actually an MVP. Yeah. I mean, I personally have been there so many times. I've seen it so many times. And if it even like halfway works, ship it <laughs> and start building on it is what companies want to do. Um, a funny story, I when we very first I used to work at Washington Post and right when um, Google TVs came out, like some people are probably like, what is a Google TV? But <laughs> Google TVs came out, this smart TV device back a long time ago and Google was like, hey, you should partner with us. We're going to ship you a Google TV and you got to build an app for it. And it was like, it's just an MVP. Okay, cool. Let's get this thing going. You know, it's Android. I know Android. We're going to build this app. It's probably still in the app store. Like, <laughs> really, it's never an MVP. It just always goes from there. <laughs> on the flip side of that, I, I was, um, I'd been working on a piece of software for about mm -hmm. four years and I needed to do a proof of concept of something that was going to go into the app. And I wrote another standalone side app and I looked at it and I was like, okay, it does what it's supposed to do. That's really a shippable product just by itself. And I put ship it out it. there. Yeah, ship it. <laughs> and it's probably still out there. 
<laughs> that's that's what companies uh, mostly wait for when you can say ship it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's the dream. Uh, is, it, it works, is it done? It, finished? It, it Why works, not? It goes on. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a thing. I think uh, at some point in time, also, I I was also building something as a proof of concept, and it it got shipped eventually, and yeah. it's uh, it's lived over its its uh, its its lifetime that it should uh, somehow it survived, which is also great. Yeah. Maybe the code that we have written was good enough, uh, but as devs, we also always are thinking about: Do we like this proof of concept, or do we actually want to build something really nice? that that kind of comes back so the general exactly. the general belief is if you're going to make something that's an mvp at least build it in such a way that you know that you're going to build on it anyway yes yep that's my philosophy at least so is it a question of uh better architecture better development is it a slower mvp process I think it's a question of have an architecture, at least have one instead of hacking something together, assuming, okay, I'll have a chance to go back and use a real architecture here uh, once we verify that we want to go with this. Having architecture in place is not that time consuming. You can pretty much just pick one these days and at least go with it. Something reasonable, obviously, because um, you might not be around. And another engineer can show up and he's like, don't worry about it, that uses MVVM. Okay, cool, got it. Um, so just picking something that's standard and then, yeah, assume I'll probably have to build on this again if I stick around. I had a girlfriend in college who looked at me at one point, she was an English major, and she says, is not all software a kludge at heart anyway? <laughs> looked at her you are quite wise beyond your years yes. so look i have to ask um you are um a woman in a position of power with a very well-known company you were also proudly uh you're a, a woman of color in a position of power at a at a, at a major company have you had to fight certain uh discriminatory uh, discriminations in your position or in your path to get there i'll say right now no i think that uh i've done a good job building my brand uh, up to this point where i don't feel that i have to prove myself to anyone um it's probably the opposite <laughs> where i'm just like if you don't know then you don't know uh, at this point that's wonderful but, in the beginning, yes, I really did. Um, all the time, someone would have to, I would try to get people to even advocate for me. Mm -hmm. I say like, look, we're going to go into this meeting. Um, I don't know this new team. Can you just please like introduce me and let them know what I've worked on previously so that they can trust my technical recommendation? So I would have to like do that sometimes. Um, or like if I was especially when I was working with a new team, like like at Washington Post or Lockheed Martin, when you're working with someone new and you come in, there's almost like this, who is, who is she <laughs> kind of thing? Like, how does she think she can help us here? Mm -hmm. um, and so it was, I, I definitely felt that pressure a lot when I was starting out in my career. And I think that I, you know, probably overcompensated by just like being super, super overachiever trying to learn every single thing and prove myself to 
these strangers who, you know, ultimately don't really matter. Um, how did I finally get over it? Uh, Don Felker, who I also believe is in the Living by the Code book, he told me one day, he's like, Anise, look, people fall into three buckets. He's like, so always remember this. One third of people love you. One third of people hate you. And one third of people don't care. He's like, so whenever someone comes into your like orbit, your world, your blog post, your whatever, just put them in their bucket and keep it moving. And that really like it's so simple, but really powerful that I would just automatically assume like, OK, where's this person fall? OK, good. They're in the bucket. And then I just move forward. It, it doesn't require me to keep processing. Well, what did they mean when they said I should have used this? Da, 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 da. Like you're in the you're in the bucket of people who hate me and I just keep moving. Oh, you're neutral. Nothing to do here. Or you love me. Yay. Hugs. Keep moving. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I think it was Corey Ladislaw who uh, two episodes ago said, you know, she just came out and she said, I'm stubborn. I'm not going to let anybody talk over me. And I just ran with it. Um, yeah, it was Corey who uh, who who was really thrilled to hear you were going to be on the show as well. So, um, yeah, we work together briefly. That's really cool. We're, we're like the kind of Android uh, powerhouse women. So <laughs> <laughs> we all know each other. There's a there's a Twitter group of this. Uh, it's called something. I, I forget. Feminati. Feminati. Yes, yes, the one. Um, and a lot of people follow that because we have all these uh, powerful women there and like people those who are supporting each other. So um, yeah. that's something that we'll also add it to the show notes. I I really want to mm-hmm. bring this up. That's super nice. It's, Thank it, you. Yeah. On the flip side, going into the bucket of people who like you, have you wound up under? How has the effect of being an influence on younger developers been how how is it now to be a role model for other young women coming up um i'll say at first it was super weird <laughs> like you meet someone <laughs> at a conference and they're like hey anise oh i just you know i love your blog post on this and then i saw your th- remember when you gave that talk on this one i was there in the audience and then I, <laughs> you know you feel a little weird because you're like uh, I'm just a regular person, mm-hmm. you know? And then yeah. um, <laughs> over time, I just think, you know what? That's amazing. Being a engineer has opened so many possibilities for me. So even if there's just like in a small way, I can give that to someone else or help someone else get that, then like, yay, I'm excited about it. I never would have been able to travel around the world if I wasn't an engineer and a conference speaker. So if I can share some tips so someone can become a conference speaker so they can travel around the world, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like if I have to spend 15 minutes while I'm drinking my coffee to tell someone, have confidence in yourself, I'm going to tell them. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it went from, uh, I'm not a role model, I'm just a person, to okay, how can I help people as much as possible? I think that's why I speak. That's why I blog, because I want to help as many people as I can, but I cannot do it on like a one-on-one basis. So let's talk about that transition that you made from engineer to speaker. Yep. What, what, was, the, what was the seed that started that tree to grow? I'll say it started with giving presentations at work. 
and just like really small ones, not even a full presentation, probably just like a portion of a presentation <laughs> at work. Like, Denise, we need you to speak about this one thing that you've done for two slides and just really, really enjoying it. It's fun. It's creative. Um, the way the way I think it's like, oh, I get to use my like creative juices and and I'm throwing in some code and I'm going to maybe make it pretty because I'm like, you know, girly a little bit. So it's like all these things combining together uh, to present. And and also just the fact that I really love learning and speaking and presenting is the best way to learn something because you have to own that knowledge before you can share it with someone else. Mm. Like I need to feel confident that I'm going to stand up here and speak to you about this subject and there's gonna be some guy to raise his hand and question everything I just talked about for the past like, 25 to 35 minutes. So I have to own that knowledge to be able to answer him. Um, and that has really helped me to learn so many different topics just because I know, okay, I'm gonna be speaking about ArxJava, then I'm gonna own this knowledge. I'm gonna be speaking about GraphQL, then I'm gonna own this knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's been you know, really, really great just for me, like technically, um, to to go on um, and, and, you know, progress in my career. It's funny you mentioned this instance uh, where you mentioned that some guy <laughs> just raises their hand at the end of the uh, of the talk. Um, maybe what maybe I would want to know is that uh, from your personal experience and also like you've written so much stuff, uh, when such certain situation like that, maybe in the past when that happened when you were at a conference, like a real live one, let's say, yep. <laughs> now we have virtual ones, but at that time, like how would you handle that situation? Because this is a question that I get from a lot of like listeners also who were mentioning that how do, once we get into public speaking, and then there's this one particular situation where someone asks completely different, or maybe it's not even related to the topic or it's something weird. Yep. And then how do you handle that situation? Yeah, I have a few. It, I have a few little things I kind of say, um, depending on what it is that they ask in their tone. So I might say, wow, that sounds super personal to you. I'd really love for you to come talk to me after the talk. Mm. Thanks. And then I basically like shut them down. They're like, they've been acknowledged, they've been heard, and I'm welcoming them to come talk to me after the talk. Probably they won't, but that's fine. So that's one way to shut it down. Um, Another thing I'll do is say, hmm, really interesting question. Anyone else in the audience have any (laughs) idea? (laughs) Because if you're coming to my talk on GraphQL, you might know something about it. So you're here in the audience. Maybe the audience members can help you out. Or I'll say, I have never even thought of that. That's nothing I've encountered when I've been looking into this subject. I'm going to make sure I write this down as soon as I get off the stage. And if you want to connect with me on Twitter, I'll make sure I get you an answer. Boom. Like, I don't have to. um, I try not to be mean. But if they're like totally off base, I might say like, whoa, that's turning into something way more than what we're discussing here today. And then Mm -hmm. I'll just kind of shut it down. But in general, I try to be like nice about it. I think I think I that's like I think that's important for uh, for any any type of talk. That's not just engineering talks. I think that's cross the board in any kind of presentation is knowing how to deal with uh, either constructive questions or what I guess yep. you could term as destructive questions. There's so much more to discuss, and we just don't have time in the podcast. If you want to not only hear but see that whole episode and see the beautiful tree that's behind Anise. We're going to post that to YouTube in just a few weeks. Anise, this is amazing material. This is great to hear, and I love both your enthusiasm 
that you brought to us today, as well as the enthusiasm you bring every day into the work. Thank you. We really want to thank you for being on the show this episode. It has been a treat. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I really enjoyed it as well. Coming up on our next episode, we're going to have Kate Huston. Kate Huston does development and documentation. She has lived in the UK, Australia, Canada, China, Colombia, and the US. And we are really looking forward to speaking with her. Then, two episodes after the episode after the one with Kate Huston, we're going to have me. I am going to turn the ta- we're going to turn the tables and Nishant is going to basically pick at my brain for for a, a podcast and uh, it may not necessarily be all soft skills maybe some hard skills but if you do have any questions or anything that you'd like me to talk about please of course email us at podcast at raywenderlich.com we really want to thank Anise Anise can be found on Twitter at at b-r-w-n-g-r-l-d-e-v Boy, that was a... It's a mouthful until you realize it's brown girl dev. Yep. Was there a story behind it, or did you just decide that's going to work? There probably was a story, but it's Twitter, so I can't remember. <laughs> you can find this rule. You can find this rules. You can find this rules on the internet everywhere. That's Nishant. It's N-I-S-R-U-L-Z. I am Podcast Drew. On Twitter, you can find us there on occasion. We really appreciate you listening, but as for now, we're going to take things back to the Emerald Castle. Ray, back to you. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. See you next time. Bye.